Welcome to Study Gateway's First Listens, where you get first listens to the first sessions on Study Gateway so you can find your next video Bible study. Hi there, I'm your host, Shelley Leith. And before we get started on this session with Rebecca Lyons, I want everyone to be aware that by just listening to this podcast, you can get a 15% discount on any subscription plan at Study Gateway for the life of your subscription using code PODCAST15. That code works on any plan, any type, personal, small group or church, monthly plans or annual. Go ahead and write that down, PODCAST15, and thank you for being a podcast listener. We're in season five, which is all about summer self-care. In this season, we're hearing sessions from Bible studies that offer ideas for us to be kind to ourselves, to attend to our needs, and to find ways to live a better life. In today's episode, we're featuring a brand new study from Rebecca Lyons called Building a Resilient Life. I chose this for our summer self-care season because, first of all, it's filmed at the beach, my summer happy place. The self-care aspect of this study comes from Rebecca teaching us how to improve our stress response. She says, adversity awakens the human heart. Let's listen to Rebecca Lyons share how to take care of ourselves when we face adversity in the first session of Building a Resilient Life called Name the Pain. This message has been brewing in the quiet for three years. Initially, it was intended for our kids, the next generation staring into the face of adversity. In an area of distraction and disconnection, had they developed the skills really required to withstand the onslaught of anxiety and isolation? Had they established the confidence and community to stay strong? But in the writing, research, and soul-searching, I quickly learned how much I, too, needed it, how our society needs it, how we all need it. Life is hard for so many reasons. It's tempting to try to move past the pain as quickly as possible. Instead, what if we embraced our struggles to develop the strength of resilience, not dependent on circumstance? After speaking at a mental health summit focused on supporting the church, I went for a walk and I heard in my spirit, adversity awakens the human heart. I paused. What does this mean exactly? Adversity is trial, affliction, hardship, something you never asked for or planned. And because we never see it coming, this kind of unexpected interruption in our lives can send us reeling. I know it has for me. I think of all the moments in my life where unexpected loss could have drowned me, but God. He showed up on my shower floor as I wept over a confirmed Down syndrome diagnosis 22 years ago, after a week of genetic testing at Kate's birth. He showed up in the middle of the night in my Manhattan apartment when I cried out for rescue from panic attacks, and he flooded me with peace. He showed up when my dad sang Jesus Loves Me with me on FaceTime from his nursing home in Florida hours before he went to sleep for the last time. He showed up when my mother-in-law told us she couldn't fight me longer after a month in the ICU trying to breathe. She was ready to be with Jesus, and it was time to let her go. Yes, God is always present in every area of our lives. But the Holy Spirit shows up in these specific moments in tangible ways where I would collapse at the news because the pain was too great. But looking back on every circumstance, I count it an honor to have known and loved these people well, to have lived fully in relationship to the end. 
You see, life is terribly painful and awful sometimes. But even in the worst grief, God promises to hold us, to keep us, to carry us, to never leave or forsake us. And over time, new transformation is awakened because death always precedes resurrection. So what if we shifted our expectations? We will age. Our bodies will tire. Our relationships will require sacrifice and surrender. But we will also grow wise. Our slowing will make us more present. Sacrifice and surrender makes us more free. What if we better prepare for adversity because each time we walk through this adversity, Christ is right there, reminding us He's not going anywhere, reminding us we can build strength upon strength. We have the opportunity to invite in the company and support of others. In the highs and the lows, we were never meant to walk this road alone. Adversity awakens to the best version of ourselves. We become survivors of empathy, compassion, humility, and resilience. The kind of people who are comforted so they can comfort others. People who are not afraid of pain. Neuroscience tells us that there is a moderate, predictable, and controllable activation of our stress response system that will help lead us to a more flexible, strong stress response. This means the more we face moderate challenges and succeed, the more capable we are of facing bigger challenges. We see this in sports or performing arts or clinical practice, teaching, basically almost any human endeavor, that experience improves performance. This means that whatever we cultivate grows. So therefore, adversity awakens us to a choice. Will we choose loss, longing, or redemption? Maybe all three. Will we choose failure, defeat, or hope? Well, hopefully the latter. Adversity awakens us to what we're made of, what we care about, and what's worth fighting for. We were not created to survive, but to overcome. God calls us into an abundant life, and the only way to build resilient lives is together. Jesus was a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. He never shrunk back from the calling, even though loving people unconditionally was beautifully wrought with pain. So we follow his example, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12, 2. Not only do we face adversity in trajectory-shifting, life-altering moments, we also face it in our everyday. Life in general is more overwhelming, chaotic, ambiguous than ever. It's full of the usual challenges, whether it's piles of laundry on the couch, school assignments left undone, texts from a friend losing her job. But it has a whole host of new challenges too, navigating complex and shaming, dealing with a political landscape that so often reminds us the sky is falling, keeping up with all the new and constantly changing recommendations, wars and rumors of wars springing up overseas. And that's just the list of complexities we're dealing with as of the time of writing this study. Who's to say what's to come? Many of us are dealing with some form of ambiguous loss, I wonder what you have lost. What if you took the time to name it? What ways of living, schedules, routines, or disrupted career plans and dreams are you grieving without resolve? 
Perhaps it's a marriage that is drifting and you can't quite put your finger on why it's happening. Or a child that has rejected you or God or both. Maybe it's not a child with special needs who's prone to outbursts. Maybe you're the one with the outbursts. Maybe you can look back and see an era where you were flourishing, but now you feel like you're caught in an eddy of grief. Perhaps you once felt strong, but now you feel weaker than ever. Or you feel bent to the point of breaking and you're not sure if you'll ever bounce back. As we'll discuss in the coming sessions, it's that act to keep going, whether in the face of loss, chaos, or turmoil, that we will call resilience. I'd like to take us to a passage in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3.17 and into chapter 4. Verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is Spirit. Therefore, Verse one of chapter four, we do not give up. We have this treasure, verse seven, in clay jars, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then, death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. For we know the one that raised the Lord Jesus will raise us with him and be present with you. Verse 16, therefore, again, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is renewed by the day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable, eternal weight of glory. So we don't focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Therefore, we never give up. Why? Rebecca tells us earlier in this session that we were not created to survive, but to overcome. Is there some pain or loss or grief that's causing you to live in survival mode? I'm looking forward to the rest of the session about how to not just survive, but to have resilience. And by the way, we've unlocked session one of Building a Resilient Life on Study Gateway, so you can go there and watch the entire first session for free. Building a Resilient Life is published by Harper Christian Resources, and it streams on Study Gateway. Study Gateway is a streaming video service, and we're the only one that has a subscription plan, especially for small groups. For our First Listens listeners, we offer you an exclusive rate on any of our subscription plans. When you use the promo code PODCAST15 at studygateway.com, you'll get any size of plan for yourself, your small group, or your whole church 
at a 15% savings for life. And for a complete experience with Building a Resilient Life, take advantage of our Publisher Direct pricing on the Essential Bible Study Guide designed to be used with the videos. This study guide gives you the discussion questions for your group and the personal exercises to dig deeper into the scriptures on your own between sessions. Get all the details at studygateway.com. And now, let's get back to Rebecca Lyons. Because the life of Jesus is displayed in us. So let's begin by understanding resilience. What resilience is, and what it is not. For starters, resilience is our consecrated and daily act of remembering there is something far greater than our present troubles, great or small, and this consecration gives us the power to endure and emerge. Resilience is not unyielding willpower that pushes through any obstacle. Instead, resilience allows us to be flexible and adaptable. Resilience not only bends, but bows before it breaks. Resilience knows when it's time to stop. There are some storms we must bend low to endure. There are also storms we get as far away from as we can, because a resilient mindset knows the difference. Resilience is not sheer strength or stubborn persistence either. It's faithful perseverance. Resilience is not naive optimism. It's contentment in the acceptance of what is. You see, the Christian's life is bent toward resilience, a life that's nimble, surrendered, able to imagine new dreams when old dreams die. It's a life that remembers God's promise that He'll be with us even to the end of the age. It's a life that believes that Christ has truly overcome the world. So how did Jesus model this resilience? The writer to the Hebrews gives a beautiful picture He says, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. This is Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 from the message. What a vision to follow, right? Where do we begin in building a resilient life? We begin where some give up while others do not. We start at the acute point of pain. We're gonna talk about this in the lens of rules. So the first rule of resilience is name the pain. In the last decade, I experienced deep loss and grief and I vowed I'll never forgive you to someone in particular. I don't know why I vowed it, but I did. God wasn't having it. So three months later in a dream, I woke hearing you have no right to withhold forgiveness from this person. I immediately felt the weight of bitterness leave my gut. I don't know how else to explain it. I woke from a dream, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit, and it came out of my body. So I got up and I went to my living room in the middle of the night and I wrote three pages of confession and repentance. And then I knew I had to approach this person. So I then went to that person a couple weeks later and I said, I'm sorry for the way my pain spilled onto you. And 
90 minutes later of a lot of tears and a lot of honesty, remarkably, our relationship was restored. One of the most impactful liturgies in the season was Death of a Dream by Douglas McKelvey. And I'd love to read it to you now. O Christ, in whom the final fulfillment of all hope is held secure. I bring to you now the weathered fragments of my former dreams, the broken pieces of my expectations, the rent patches of hopes worn thin, the shards of some shattered image of life that I once thought it would be. What I wanted has not come to pass. And in my heart, I know that you are sovereign even over this, over my tears, confusion, and my disappointment. But I still feel in this moment as if I've been abandoned, as if you do not care that these hopes have collapsed to rubble. And yet I know this is not so. You are the sovereign of my sorrow. You apprehend a wider sweep with wiser eyes than mine. My history bears the fingerprints of grace. You were always faithful, though I could not always trace quick evidence of your presence in my pain. So let me remain tender now to how you would teach me. My disappointments reveal so much about my own agenda for my life and the ways I quietly demand it should play out, free of conflict, free of pain, free of want. My dreams are all so small, right? So small. So take this dream, this husk, this chaff of my desire and give it back, reformed and remade according to your better vision, or don't give it back at all. Here in the ruins of my wrecked expectation, let me make this best confession. Not my dreams, O Lord, not my dreams, but yours be done. Amen. What really stood out to me out of this whole liturgy was, you apprehend a wider sweep with wiser eyes than mine. He's the sovereign of our sorrow. He sees the whole picture that we don't see. And the moment he apprehends, he sees everything with a wider lens than we see. He knows what's coming before, what's coming after, and he's walking us through the center of it. And all we see is that step right in front of us. We don't understand that he sees it all. He sees the trajectory from start to finish of our entirety of our lives. The people will touch, the people will know, the people who impact us, the people we will serve. He apprehends even our grief with wiser eyes than mine. This is the gift of a God of resilience, a God who models resilience. And isn't this the whole of the Christian life? Pain that ebbs and flows, joy that ebbs and flows, two extremes that coexist and keep us broken and whole at the same time. Life is less about mastery and more about the unfolding of faith and the process of being made new. Excuse me while I wipe my tears. <laughs> it's this liturgy that encapsulates the Christian's bent towards resilience. We are truly resilient when we bring everything to Christ, weathered and worn, and allow ourselves to be filled and remade in the original shape of our Creator. When we acknowledge that our lives do not look like we planned or imagined and we begin to confess it, we make peace with it. And in that peace, we're being remade in the image of Christ. What are the three ways that we typically name our pain? First of all, 
we understand shame. The lie of shame whispers that there's inherently something wrong with you, that you're not enough and you never will be, so you exhaust yourself trying to prove otherwise. Shame roots in your past to remind you of when your best efforts failed. It taunts in your present, pushing you to try harder. And it threatens you'll fall short in the future. Shame leaves you with a sense of being trapped and powerless, with no agency to change. But Romans 8.1 tells us the opposite. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus closes the door on shame and opens the door to repentance and freedom. The second way that we name our pain is through unfiltered confession. You cannot heal what is hidden. So when we name what we are mourning or grieving or where we've held bitterness or shame, we begin to experience the transformation available to a life of resilience. When we bring our burdens to the throne of God, not with sacrament or ritual, but with unashamed, unhindered release, Psalm 18 was my prayer for rescue. It became the prayer that catalyzed my healing journey from panic disorder. The best part of that psalm for me was, you rescued me because you delighted in me. And with my God, I can attack a barrier and leap a wall. What a gift, a God who rescues us from adversity. The third way we name our pain is to invite others in and lead with vulnerability. You see, when you're vulnerable and alone, you're afraid. But when you're vulnerable and together, you become brave. We're not made to suffer alone. So when we share our pain with friends or family who commit to walk with us through dark seasons, a shift happens. This empathy breeds connection. And when we give and receive this empathy, we exercise parts of our brain that make us emotionally healthy, stronger, more able to withstand the difficulties of life. Jesus modeled empathy and scripture reveals this. Here in Hebrews, therefore we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. In these weeks together, we'll continue to engage the stories of people of resilience. We'll lean in and learn research by experts in human behavior, will be grounded by lasting truth of scripture. And my hope is that you'll come to understand how these practices or rules can help live a more resilient life. So today we talked about rule one, about naming the pain. Today we learned how to be honest in every circumstance. But going forward in the sessions ahead, we will learn rules two through five. The second rule is to shift the narrative. We'll renew our mind and retrain our brain. The third rule is to embrace adversity. We'll train with resistance because it makes us strong. The fourth rule will teach us how to make meaning. We'll cultivate beauty because it inspires purpose. And finally, rule five, we will endure together because we need practical ways to invite others in to build a resilient life. Applying these rules, we'll learn how to forge resilient lives, one that withstand the most difficult moments of adversity. So if you're walking through hardship and wondering how long you can persevere, my advice is to keep showing up. Invite others to join you as well. Together, we can build lives that thrive, no matter what form of adversity comes our way.
You know, as we're thinking about self-care this season, probably the major thing that keeps us from taking care of ourselves is when we're weighed down by adversity. Rebecca Lyons has taught us the first step in becoming resilient, and that is to name the pain. You've just enjoyed a first listen to the first session of Building a Resilient Life, a video Bible study by Rebecca Lyons, published by Harper Christian Resources and streaming on Study Gateway. If you go to studygateway.com, you'll find this first session of Building a Resilient Life is unlocked and accessible to you to watch in its entirety for free. Here at Study Gateway, you can find your favorite authors, pastors, and Bible teachers all in one place. We're the only streaming video subscription service that offers plans for individuals, a small group size plan, and a user-based pricing plan for churches no matter what the size. And don't forget, you can use the promo code PODCAST15 to get a 15% savings on the plan of your choice, and that discounted rate lasts as long as you keep your subscription. With Study Gateway, you also get a direct link to our store, where you get publisher direct pricing on the Essential Bible Study Guide for Building a Resilient Life. This study guide with its exercises and projects and discussion questions helps you get the most out of this study. Is Building a Resilient Life going to be your next study? Get started right now by going to studygateway.com, click Start Free Trial, and use the promo code PODCAST15 at checkout. Make sure you rate and review this podcast so other people can find this show too. And come back next week for another exciting episode in our season of summer self-care. See you next time on Study Gateway's First Listens.